Faith, faith, family, and single life. Most of us dream alike, but we don't think alike. Gotta learn to hustle if you want the finer things in life. Riding as a couple, or maybe it's just a single flight. But holla if you need advice. That's right, advice. If you're trying to be a wife or living the dad life. Maybe you moving slow or whipping the fast life. Either way, just pull up. Come on in and add ice. Just chill. Hey guys, this is your host, Miss Icy. You're tuning in to 88.7 KAZI, where we are on the Grow Through podcast slash radio show. We are discussing the intersection of faith, family, and single life. And let me tell you guys, I am super excited for our guest this morning. An old time friend turned entrepreneur doing, doing his absolute I think personally, this is what he was born to do, which is encourage, inspire, and just all around be a great addition to this world. I'm really excited to introduce to you Deontay McClendon. Deontay is an independent consultant and course instructor focused on youth and young adult engagement, employment, and events. He launched his his he launched his business this year in 2022, and I'm so excited to support him this year and give him, give him an opportunity to showcase his talents on our station. Without further ado, let me introduce to you, Mr. McClendon. Hello, Icy, how are you? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic, looking forward to the conversation and grateful to be on this platform. Awesome sauce. So first question, who are you? Who are you? Oh, wow. Uh, I'm Deontay McClendon. I'm a son. I'm uh, a gentleman. I'm a scholar. I'm a leader. I'm a mental health advocate. Uh, uh, I'm a son of God. <laughs> I think that's, that's probably most important. Uh, now, all around, pretty chill person. Uh, I love wings and I love tacos. So uh, that's that's a secret about me, I guess. Uh, but no, I am uh, into youth work and uh, mental health, which I think we'll talk about during our conversation, which I'm excited about. Awesome. So where can we find you? Where can we find you? Sure, I can be found on uh, on Facebook, both Facebook and Instagram, both of them being Unlearning Youth. U-N-L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G-Y-O-U-T-H, Unlearning Youth on Facebook and on Instagram. And you just located, relocated to Houston. So how's that been? It has been tremendous, uh, uh, definitely a transitional and transformational time. Uh, back home with my mom, so I'm grown and back home. So there are things that two adults living in a house together, that's different, it's different, but it's definitely enjoyable. You and I both know we're at the age where we're parenting our parents. <laughs> so that's the season of life I am, I'm enjoying every, every second of it. Mostly I'm enjoying not having to pay rent. I don't have to pay rent at the first of the month. I love I it. I hear you, I hear you on that one. It's definitely been a transition for us all. I think the pivot, pivot has been a pivotal word this year because we've been, really able to see what we can really do without and who we can't do without, who we can, who we can't live without. And I think these steps to better ourselves, whether it is going back home as a young adult, I tell kids all the time, like, man, live with your parents as long as you can. 
live with your peers yeah. as long as you can. Uh, so can you tell me more about your company and your career? Like, how did you get into the work that you're into? Oh, sure thing. So I, I, first, let me admit, spoiler alert, I never thought I would work with youth. <laughs> uh, mainly, I just, just was never interest when it came to the classroom and all that. I just wanted to get out of school. Uh, so I never imagined I work with youth, but I started doing it mostly uh, during uh, summer internships while attending college at Houston Tennessee University. So. I did some internships, one in Chicago in 2014, working uh, with an organization that exposes students in different church groups to learn about gentrification and things that go on in urban cities like Chicago. Uh, so I did that in 2014, as well as working at the Boys and Girls Club in Southside Chicago, which was a life-changing experience and a very rewarding experience. Uh, then the following summer in 2014, uh, I did work uh, in New York, in upstate New York, working with children with autism and behavioral uh, social needs. So that was my first start, which I, I guess I thought that was it. I didn't realize that was a pathway into doing youth work. Later on, I started doing restorative justice in schools, primarily Aikens in South Austin. Shout out to our, our beloved late alum, Dr. Charles Aikens. So to be at his at his school, working doing restorative justice, I did that for three years and across the district, including Maynard as well. Before I left Austin, uh, I did work for the city of Austin doing different programs and primarily the Austin Youth Council, uh, amplifying students' voice in local government. So that's that's how I've gotten to this point. So it, it, although I am under 30, I have a good amount of years when it comes to working with students and experience. So all of that has happened in the last uh, seven to eight years. If I, if I calculate it correctly. So it's been a lot of things that have led up to this. And I think I'm, I'm excited now to not only continue what I'm doing, but to amplify it on a much larger scale, on a more independent scale, on a more free scale. So um, that's what I'm excited about now. I have to, I have to agree with you on that one. And I hope y'all are paying attention to Deontay, like literally going through his expertise. I think a lot of the times we look at the younger people coming up, our young professionals coming up, and we assume that they don't have this experience. But because we were able to go to college or we were able to be exposed to these different programs, these different internships, these different opportunities, we glean just like anyone else working through a nine to five, you know, we glean. And it's been an interesting experience because one, this young man is able to not only take all that experience and help his community, but now he's able to freely, as he would say, freely command his own company. And I, I really do appreciate that because sometimes we can we can miss that i know myself i've been oh well what gives you the experience i've actually had a person tell me that before like oh what what gives you the experience to do this well i have been doing this since college you know i've been working on advocacy programs since college so i think that's an interesting perspective oh yes i think uh you make a great point because i think as especially as young adults uh and i'll be the first to admit uh, that I've suffered with imposter syndrome, uh, questioning, uh, do, am I worthy of this? Do I qualify? And knowing all the experience and even at this point complaining about, I can't wait till I do this and I uh, have the opportunity to do it. And I think it's because uh, as young people, we ignore our building blocks sometimes. Uh, and that comes from our experiences in college, that comes from the things we do for free. Uh, all those are skill-based things. Like when you start developing skills, skills make you valuable. Skills make you valuable. 
And it goes from graphics, that goes to being a plumber, that goes to knowing how to do hair, that goes, goes to doing administrative tasks. Uh, skills make you valuable. So uh, even if it's something you can't put on your resume, it still makes you valuable. And I think that's something uh, that we all have to kind of remember, especially uh, as young people. I agree with you on that one. I definitely agree with you on that one. Uh, so why do you see a need for programs like yours? For sure, thank you for asking that. Uh, I believe youth are very pivotal and at the tipping point of our, of our country, whether it's doing uh, big initiatives focused on uh, the, the environment, or if it's a student at their grandma's, a child at their grandmother's house helping her to unmute for her Zoom call. Uh, I think at every, every level, uh, it's important to have youth because you need that vibrance, you need that. However, uh, we have a lot of adults that are in seats of power when it comes to youth, uh, that aren't uh, welcoming the lived experiences of youth today. Uh, I, I've been saying for the last two years, as adults, we now have a privilege when it comes to going through high school. None of us know how it is to learn virtually. We don't know how to, how to go to a school that you don't have football games or being part of organizations where you can't have field trips that you can only meet on a laptop. So we don't know those limitations. So we have to have our ears <laughs> to the streets of students. Uh, you, you have to know uh, what, what's going on and listening and creating safe spaces for students to share that. And there are a lot of, and I don't say that because there are a lot of people in these positions that don't want to, uh, but sometimes we don't have the supplies, the tools, or the experience to actually support, especially during this time when people are downsizing. Uh, if you were already doing a lot, you may be wearing two or three hats now. So it's important uh, to have those skills to engage because uh, I think you and I both know, it's different engaging in person than it is virtually. Uh, and then even now, uh, hybrid experiences are almost expected at every event. So how do you do that? How do you maintain the interest of, of students? How do you separate virtual learning from school to virtual engagement uh, outside of school hours? So I think that's the critical need for it. Uh, and also to build relationships because students, they're not just the, the voice of the future, they're the voice of today. Uh, so when you look at uh, things, especially we're talking about uh, later, uh, Dr. King, Dr. King was not, uh, an old man, he died in his 40s. He died in his 30s. So we, we have to understand that he was not old doing his work. If you talk about Jesus Christ, he was out of here at 33. So that you don't have, you don't have long. And though that doesn't mean every child will start young, it's important for us to recognize young leaders and how to uh, put them in place for sustainable impact. Um Man, if y'all haven't noticed already, okay, so let me just tell y'all how I'm trying my hardest not to laugh, but I really do love the way Deontay de delivers powerful messages. This is an important conversation that is necessary because programs like his gives a voice to young people that otherwise would not be, they wouldn't have a platform to speak. I know personally, um, and I'll just say, I'll, I'll say this, I might, get, I might get in trouble, but I know in the church, there'll be youth programs and the only face on the youth program is someone 45, 60 years old at the youth program. And then you want the youth to come to the program and then say, oh, they're falling away by the droves. We can't get youth in the doors, but you're not putting young faces in the seats in order to capture the audience of 
the people that you're trying to bring in, the attention of these young people. Because quite honestly, there's a particular type of communication that needs to be had that only younger people will be able to voice. I asked this question to um, a young person. I said, well, how do, how do you communicate? This young person was, was in their teens. I said, well, how do you communicate? Quite honestly, I've, I've had that experience before. Older people on them flyers don't want to give you an opportunity to speak, don't want to give you an opportunity to bring in youth. The thing that gets me about that though, oh, you know, they they you know they don't want any anybody who might be fallible, right? Yeah. But the problem with that is you had early years as well, and those years were quite fallible. And now that we're in our fallible years, you know, the years that, you know, we can, we can make these mistakes, we still can't be able to be leaders and make those mistakes. We have to be perfect, but the only way we can get to perfection is through uh, an age. We can't be perfect now. And, you know, there's a song by um, Jonathan McReynolds, say, keep on walking with my limp. And I, I think that that one is such a good one because God didn't call you to be perfect. He, he, he called you to make progress. You know, and I think these type of programs in particular are so important because it allows teens to see and young adults to see that you don't have to be a certain age. You know, like I can't wait to to till like till I'm 15. I can't wait till I'm 18. No, man. Let me tell you, if you got all them skills, you can do that now. Let me show you how to connect them skills real quick, because you can do that right now. Yeah, for sure. And I think what you're saying is not only important historically from where we grew up during those times, but presently it's, it's important. Uh, I was talking to a friend recently this week and uh, I was telling them every pastor now has a social media ministry uh, because we all had to pivot to use it, whether it's a tripod, tripod and a phone. Uh, so you see it on some people's lives, but I'm try, not trying to call them out. But you see it when a kid is setting up the camera, they're sitting in front of the dining room trying to preach, stuff like that. But you need young people just for things like that. But I think what you're saying historically, I'm, 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 I've witnessed that as well. How do you expect kids to connect like that? And uh, I always think about uh, Moses was a very influential leader in the Bible. Moses led the children of Israel uh, across the Red Sea. Moses uh, wrote the Ten Commandments. Moses uh, uh, did so many miracles in the Bible. Moses delivered the children of Israel, children of Israel out of Israel from Pharaoh's hand. And that, that's a big deal. However, uh, when it was time for Joshua to take over, he had to use new strategies. So he, he, he stood on Moses' shoulders but he had to use Joshua's strategies. And I think what happens a lot of times in our churches, uh, yes, we, we're doing things uh, that are good, but is it in time with what was really relevant? Uh, like for, for example, no one really cares about an usher, uh, being a junior usher anymore. No one really cares about being a junior deacon. Do you offer tutoring? Do you offer STEM programs? What connections do you have to the community? Uh, are you solving issues when it comes to food insecurity? How are you going green? How are you preserving the earth that the Lord made? So I think as you're talking about that, we have to put students in a position that know they may not be able to sing and look. They may not be able to preach. They may not be able to speak well, but can they do graphics? What skills do they have that we can welcome? Uh, when Jesus said, uh, uh, forbid uh, welcome the little children unto me, uh, I don't think he just meant that for him to preach to him. 
Uh, we have to create welcoming spaces that let children come in, that let youth uh, take the stage, to let young adults say, okay, this is a responsibility I, I would like to uphold. So I think what you're saying is very, very critical for our black churches specifically. It is definitely something that you see across the, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you look. I know for me personally, it wasn't as apparent until I went to church. It wasn't as apparent until I went to church. Mm -hmm. However, I definitely have seen it across, you know, many platforms, faces, re religions. It, it, it didn't even matter. I've seen it. But that brings us to our next question. What challenges have you experienced as a new business owner? <laughs> oh, oh, I, I, I'm going to go back to it. I guess I said it too soon. Uh, I, I, I'm going to be very transparent. Uh, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. uh, knowing, knowing my resume, knowing what I do, uh, knowing what God has purposed in my heart over, over a year ago to do, uh, and even making a move here to Houston, uh, which is all of this is uh, combined uh, together. Uh, it's just you still suffer with, um, is this what I'm supposed to do? Uh, can I do this? Uh, how am I going to do it? And uh, I, I, in this season of my life, I see I've really been learning that sometimes I have faith in God, but sometimes it's even harder to have faith in me. Uh, and yeah, and I struggle with, yeah, I know God can do it, but can God do it for me? So I'm in a season now of just trusting that I've, I've I trust that I've sown seeds before I've been loyal where I needed to for certain seasons and just uh, expecting God to rain favor while I do work while I'm very strategic about things, while I'm laying the foundation for uh, what was to come and what I'm building and what's launching this month, uh, I am fully trusting God at a level I'll never have. So that, that's been a big thing, imposter syndrome and just uh, taking God out the box, I may be putting him in. So I think that may be my two intersecting challenges. I agree. I, I, well, I agree with, with you on that one because I myself have, have for many years went through imposter syndrome. You know, I see it done here, I see it done there. Am I special enough? Am I special enough for God to to bless me in the way that I've seen other people be blessed? Lord, I, I know that I've made the mistakes and these mistakes seem so mounting. You know, they seem they seem like mountains in my life. And I don't know if these things are enough for for you to bless me, you know, because but maybe it's just me, maybe it's just me. I know for me within the last year of my life, well, last year and the year before that, I didn't even know what imposter syndrome was. And I think when I found out what that was, I was like, man, I got to get this off of me. I got to get this off of me ASAP. I am tired of living in a shell of a life. I want to live free. I want to live with danger let me tell you how i want to live on the dangerous side with jesus like that's how i've been living life in in the past the past two years of my life um, it's been an interesting journey and many of you have heard me tell my testimony across the station however it's been an interesting journey to really be in a space where i allow god to to really use me because for a long time i was so afraid of being used but god still washes us clean and he's still able to use those who are broken, those who are not whole, he's still able to use them. Um, I, I, just recently, and I think this was a, a, poignant, uh, a poignant statement from a friend of mine. She says, you know, have you heard of the broken pot? And I was like, no, the story of the broken pot, the, broken, the, 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 the man with the broken pot. I was like, no, I don't think I've heard that story before. She was like, well, there's this man who's walking along this pathway and he has a broken pot. 
and everybody's saying, you need to throw away that pot. You need to throw away that pot. And he was like, no, because every time I go to gather water on this road, this pot drips water up and down this road. And from that, you are able to witness the grass be greener. You see flowers. You see all these beautiful things along the roadside. But that's only because I have this broken pot. And God is using broken pots in this season. He's definitely using broken pots in this season. And I'm a, I'm a witness. I'm a witness to that broken pot. Which brings me to a question. And I think, I guess we're already kind of like moving and grooving into it. But why, why do you, why do we need to unlearn? Why do we need to unlearn things? Because there are a lot of things that served us in certain seasons and certain generations that are no longer applicable. That's, that's, the, that's the bare bones reason. I think sometimes we learn things uh, and whether it's sexual orientation, whether it's a computer program, whether it's how we manufacture things, whether it's shipping, whether it's a supply chain, you cannot keep doing the same thing the same way. We're a result of what we learned and also uh, a result of what we refuse to unlearn. So I think that's, that's important for us. And this is just not just unlearning youth. I think that's, a, that's the platform for it. But how do I unlearn within unlearning youth after unlearn uh, power struggles? have to unlearn the need to always be right <laughs> have to unlearn uh how to do certain systems that are really outdated and i could do something more efficient more effective uh and that's something i've seen working with internship programs uh in offices you find out that students with that that officers are doing things that are so outdated very antiquated the student comes in and say hey this is a program that i discovered i'll set this up in nine weeks that can uh fast forward things and increase revenue and i've seen that happen before uh, but but you have to unlearn what has worked before and that's the that's the biggest thing the hardest the hardest thing to, to let go of are things that work <laughs> because because you've seen the results you've seen what it's proven to be but it's also hard to accept that it may not be serving us any longer so i think it's a process and that's why it's not unlearned it's unlearning because it's a continual process uh, that we're always unlearning something uh, and even at, at our young, big ages, uh, there are some things in college we've had to unlearn for us to be successful here. And even for where we're going next, you just shared about it, pushing yourself past your comfort zone and going all in and really trusting God. You have to unlearn those fears, unlearn certain things. Uh, and even when it comes to youth, unlearning, you don't always have to have 30 years of experience to be right. So I think that's why unlearning is very critical for us. Deontay said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, well, it just might be broke. You know, it just yeah. it just might be broke. I know it's working, but it still might be broke. Yeah, it's moving too slow. It's moving too slow. Well, guys, you've heard it here first. Make sure you're tuning in. We'll be right back from this break. All right, guys, we are back from break, and I hope that you enjoyed a word from our sponsors. You know, they keep us running. They keep us going. So I'm so grateful that you stayed to hear the continuation of an awesome conversation with an awesome guest on the Grow Through radio show, where we discuss the intersection of faith, family, and single life on your favorite radio station, 88.7. I have here Mr. Deontay McClendon, who is the owner of Unlearning Youth. Deontay. Yes, I'm enjoying the conversation. Let's keep it going. So uh, our first question, you know, in, in reference to what today is, today is an awesome day that a man, that we, that we celebrate a man having a dream. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, he had a dream. 
my question is, why do you believe that dream was so impactful? I, I think it was impactful because everybody saw themselves in the dream. Whether you were someone uh, uh, that was fighting for justice, even if you were someone that did not care about justice at the time. The second of all, something we cannot ignore, which is a very important piece to it, is Dr. King delivering voice with the dream. That that's 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 what it is, and we've been able to hear it for so long. And I think the depth, and it comes back, it, it points back to intellect, his pen to deliver to let justice roll down like strings. I have a dream that my children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. I think things like that. Uh, his his skillful writing of the dream, because all of us have dreams, but can you deliver it to someone? Does someone know how you can uh, communicate it? I think that's what makes Dr. King's dream uh, resonate with us. And also his, his chilling voice that uh, makes you feel like you're in a, in a South Black Baptist church with a church fan in your hand. So I think that is, but also when it comes to the actual dream of it, I think all of us found a place in it. And it's something, real truth resounds for generations. And I think although it's something that we may not have fully achieved yet, uh, the dream continues to be relevant for generations. Uh, it's, it's different. We're still talking about voting rights in 2022. Uh, the late Congressman John Lewis marched at the age of 16, 17 for the same things that we're fighting for today. Sometimes I, I, I'll be honest with you, I struggle is, is the dream the right word because it's, it's, it's a dream, but it's also a reality. So I think it's, it's learning how to cohabitate between living in the dream and living in the reality of it as well. Because I think we've made progress, but Lord knows we have a long way to go. So that was actually one of the questions, you know, like, have we seen the realization of that dream? And I think you put it quite well by saying like, yeah, we're, hey, how long ago this happened? And why are we still fighting for these same things? Why are certain uh, voters' rights suppressed? Why are we still dealing with some of the same things that Dr. Martin Luther King was, was fighting for? And not just him, like millions of people. You know, this, and you're right, his voice, a chilling voice. You know, that voice will get anybody out they see. That word, the word that he carried with that voice definitely was able to bring people together over a common cause of just humanity. And I, I definitely Absolutely. agree with you on that one. So I, I guess in some aspects, and you let me know, the dream has not been realized, or? I think, I think we're realizing it. However, Dr. King, we're realizing it from Dr. King in a more formal way, but unfortunately, we've had to realize uh, how far we are from the dream the tragedy when it comes to the death of George Floyd, when it comes to uh, the killing of Breonna Taylor, when it comes to injustice. Uh, injustice always helps you see how close you are to, to change and how far you are simultaneously. And I think uh, that, that we have to measure both and, and understand, uh, like Frankie Beverly said, you have to choose joy and pain. It's, it's, so while we're making progress, we're also have a long, we also have a long way to go. And I think while we're fighting for students to get uh, laptops during the pandemic, we have to also look at, we have a good amount of students that are involved with STEM programs. So I think uh, balancing all these things, uh, understanding that while we can be celebratory about how far we've come, uh, we've got a long way to, to go and press ahead. So to answer your question, uh, yes, no. Yes, <laughs> yes no. no. 
Yes, no. Yes, no. I, I hear you on that one. I, I hear you on that one. There are, There is definitely, and you know, it makes me think like, oh, you know, will it ever get better? Deontay and I were discussing over the, the break, how do we kind of close these gaps? You know, many of you know, I'm a school teacher currently, and there's definitely a gap trying to make sure that these kids realize their dreams, which brings me to a, our next question. What is the importance of a dream, of having a dream? Dreams are important first and primarily because it helps you have something to look forward to tomorrow. When you don't have hope for tomorrow, you don't really care about the decisions you make today. And I think a lot of our students uh, have very limited vision in, in social media generation. Everything's instant, where everything is quick, where you only want to care about uh, yourself sometimes uh, in, a selfie, in a selfie time. Uh, it's hard for some students and not even mention oppression, it's hard for some students to see beyond tomorrow, or to see beyond graduating, to see beyond the summer, to see beyond next week. And I think having something, especially if they're only seeing things within their environment. The only remedy I know for uh, your a bad environment is good exposure. So I think that's why we have to allow students to be exposed to things outside of their communities. I don't have too many meetings where I have to make a decision for you, that youth are A, not in the room, or B, not consulted about it. Because that, that's how you do it. You have to bring youth to the table to make these decisions. So, that's, so that, that's why I feel like dreams are important, because students have to see, okay, this is possible. Okay, if I go to school, I can do this. Or if I don't go to school, I can still do this. If I learn this, if I carry myself in a demeanor like this, I think that's exposure helps build a dream. And going back to Dr. King, Dr. King didn't just uh, stay in Alabama. He exposed himself. He went to Morehouse College. He ended up uh, getting several degrees. And I, we, won't, we won't go down that path. But he ended up doing a whole, he wasn't just a, a, a man with a good idea. He had strategies up until the day uh, he departed and was assassinated. So I think it's important to know that a dream is not reached overnight as well. <laughs> we have uh, to teach our, teach children, teach youth, and sometimes teach ourselves that dreams are things you strive for. You don't get the overnight. You're going to continue to reach for it. So when instant gratification wants to sit in, you got to know it. this dream is ahead of me because Dr. Dr. King's dream, he knew when he delivered it, it would outlive him. And I think we have to invite students, encourage them and support them to dream as big as they can. And uh, it's our responsibility to guide them and support them and not limit them. You, you just said a mouthful, honestly. Um, so first about that exposure piece, um, I, I'm stealing this from an individual named Jonathan Sprinkles. Uh, I was at an event where he was speaking and he said, exposure expands expectations. And I think that's such a profound statement because I worked at an inner city school uh, when I first started into youth, working with youth and young adults. I took them on a bus ride from Burnett Road all the way downtown. The kids were shocked, shocked about downtown. They had never been downtown. They live 15 minutes up the road. They live in Central North or Austin. They came down to East Side, never been downtown. Oh, Miss Icy, look at that big old clock. Oh, you mean the UT clock tower? Oh, Miss Icy, look at that carriage. Oh, you mean like the carriage that everybody ride on? Wow. Exposure expands expectations. And you said you mentioned something else about uh, bringing students to the table. I've, I've also learned this, uh, just teaching, being in a classroom, being with students. When you allow them to eat at the table for free, 
they start adding to your table. I've had many students, um, hey guys, um, at the end of the year, we're raising money to go to Gaddy's Town because y'all have done such a great job. I've had many students come up to me since that, since that one time, Miss Icy, can, can I give you this much money? Can, can I donate to some of the students coming? Whereas if I didn't give them the, op the opportunity to buy in, they wouldn't. But since we give them that opportunity to buy in, they want to invest. They want to be a part of the culture of it. But when we don't let them be a part of the culture, then we're sitting there saying, oh, they don't want to be a part of nothing. The youth don't want to be involved. They don't want, they, they just know. No, it's because we don't give them an opportunity to sit at the table. That we don't give them an opportunity to sit at the table. I'm not saying let the little kids sit and listen to the adult conversations when you're talking about nonsense and then they groan for no reason. I'm saying allowing them to sit and get the wisdom from those conversations to glean truth from conversations that we have. I, I, I get reminded all the time of Jeremiah um, having his wiser counsel around him. This is a young, young kid learning how to be a king and the only way he could have done that was sitting amongst higher counsel listening in i know he just wasn't out there reading books all day no this man was listening in to these conversations and somebody was saying now you heard what he said now this is how, how you should handle it we'll give you an opportunity to choose which way you think you should go about this and then allowing them to choose and you're guiding them in the direction that they should go um but i, I thought that was that was really good a very a very good statement about allowing the students to be at the the table and, and with the bringing students to the table, you have to bring them to participate and contribute and not to be props. <laughs> and I think a lot of times we'll bring kids and, and youth for a flyer, for a marketing event, for one event uh, to get a thousand kids in there so we can get our, our grant or our scholarship or whatever it is without really caring about the the real needs of, of students. And that, that's something I'm very excited about in this season is how do you create authentic, genuine spaces that welcome students? Because student, students know when you're authentic and when you're not. And sometimes they may not say it, but they, they show up by not showing up. <laughs> so uh, purifying your intentions is, is really, really important. And when it comes to exposure, I see one of the things I enjoy the most uh, by working with students is traveling with students. Uh, there are a lot of students, as you said, they haven't been to the Capitol. So you can imagine some have never been on the plane before, never been to DC, never been in the nation's capital. Uh, I've, I've, I've taken students twice to the African American Museum in DC. And, and it's just an amazing experience for them to even just be there. And I think just allowing students to see, look, there's a world beyond your comfort zone. And one of the things I'm grateful for, I've had students uh, that we've gone to DC or around the country and we make sure we take them on college trip, uh, college campuses. And because we've exposed them to that, they now are attending school there. And it's like those small little inklings of exposure can really change the trajectory of someone's life, especially a young person. Well, we say young people, but I personally believe everybody's young in spirit. You just allow yourself to be squared up, if, if, if I could use that, boxed in, closed-minded. Mm -hmm. But if you keep the spirit of a kid, you stay inquisitive, you stay curious about so many things, like God will give you a refreshing and you'll wake up one day and be like, man, I want to go and do water polo. Don't know why you didn't got an inspiration to go do water polo, but it's because God has been giving you the things of your childhood. You know, I, I used to want to do gymnastics when I was a kid, you know, so I went and started doing a gymnastics class. You know what I mean? Like, and quite honestly, I started doing, I always wanted to box. So last year I went to a boxing gym. And I just 
went to do it because, oh, well, you know, I'm tired of being afraid. You know, I'm tired of being, what are they going to think? And, you know, I always tell my kids, like, now is the time to do any and everything you ever wanted to do in life. Like, do it. Make all your mistakes. Don't let not one person tell you that you cannot acquire this. You cannot do this. You cannot succeed in this. Because those people have built the box up in their head already about your limitations. But you have none. All you got is time. You ain't got nothing but time on your side. And the secret of it is, there's mistakes in every age bracket. So you're going to have young mistakes. You're going to have middle age mistakes. So you just got to make sure you do the right mistakes in the right season, the right age bracket. And it is okay. Uh, I think some of us, it's not that we have a problem making mistakes. We're fearful of what happens after mistake. Uh, will I lose my reputation? What will happen? Do I lose my money? Can I get this back? Because we have so many things going on. But like you said, to live childlike and say, let me go for this now. I agree with you on that one, because what you don't want to do is be 30 years old, learning mistakes that you could have avoided if you did it when you was 18, quite honestly. Okay, so the next question, the next question. Okay, so you own a business that gives back. Why is mentoring crucial in this day and age? Exposure. Uh, what, what, what you just said, we just talked about exposure is key. Uh, just letting students ride with you. Let, stu let students uh, be in the same room with you. Let them see you. I saw uh, some, one of our alum, they, got, they recently got a home and they were letting their five-year-old son sign the paper with them. Now, he doesn't know what he's signing, but it's, he, that's a memory he won't forget though, that, that my mom was a homeowner. So I think just bringing children along with you and then mentoring is passing, passing things on too. I, I'm very big on succession. Uh, there's, you're not going to always be the young leader. <laughs> you're not going to always be the leader in position. Who are you passing this on so that what you do uh, lives beyond your time frame, beyond your, your years? Because no matter how long we live, none of us can, can carry the whole world. And I think just that succession of trying to pass things on, why are we holding on to things that work? I don't, I don't, you know, we had this thing about getting out the mud. I don't want my kids to have to get everything out the mud. Now, I do want them to learn how to work ethic, but I do think there's a point where you, you realize, okay, let me pass on some of my wisdom. Let me pass on some of my inheritance. Let me pass on some of the, the skills that I've acquired, uh, because those are things that are very important with mentoring. Uh, and I was in, in an awesome chapter, 100 Black Men, and we always said, uh, what they see is what they'll be. And I'm a huge component of that, of what, what children see, what you see, and even what our neighbors see is what, what they'll be. Because uh, uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes, he always says, uh, we teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. So, and, I, and I'm a firm believer that's, that's critical with mentoring. That's good. That's good. I, I think that's a very great statement, not only because it's true, but because I see such a lack of it because we're greedy with, with wisdom. I, I feel that way. I remember when there was a time of my life when I was seeking avidly for mentorship. I was going around like seeking avidly for direction. And I, I don't wanna say it was because of my age, like they seen a bright upcoming star, you know, and they didn't wanna give to me because they felt like maybe I could surpass them. And I'm not, I'm not saying they as in like older people, this could be people who are just a little more knowledgeable, same age, might've been through a little more uh, professional development than me. 
but did not want to share those nuggets of wisdom. This could have been a peer who had just been through a little more professional development than me, but did not want to share because of whatever the matter is. But I, I've definitely come to learn that you get more when your arms are open wide. Like I've heard this phrase before, like um, if you have both hands open, you can receive and you can give. But if you have both hands clenched, you can't give or receive. So I'm, I, I've learned to definitely to give more in this season and to be around people that, that, that genuinely are great givers, whether it be wisdom, whether it be time, whether it be anything. And a point, a point to that is if you are a younger person, young professional, I'm not just talking about a youth or, or a teen, a young professional, go buddy up with those of those who are in that same lane as you that you admire go find them go seek them out like fine gold and jewels i've been guilty of it so i'm gonna call it out i'm gonna call it out stop trying to chase people that don't want to pour into your cup Ooh, you yeah. there are people assigned to you for you to serve and there are also people assigned to you that will pour into you now that doesn't always mean that you can call them every day but just getting in the room with them sending a message saying something and i'm also a big proponent of virtual mentors <laughs> there are people that go live every day that you can tune in with and learn from that are dropping jewels uh youtube university has free admission every semester youtube university will let you in all you got to do is download an app youtube university is always free tuition so I think that's also important to, to realize that mentoring comes in different forms. And uh, yeah, and you don't always need an hour conversation or three weeks of that time. Sometimes you just need one little pivotal not a piece of knowledge. So speaking of mentoring, you know, we 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 talk about faith, family, and single life, but we we break down single life into entrepreneurship, and we've definitely covered um being a business owner and conducting ourselves and you know giving that spill about ourselves um so there's the other portion of single life where it's very important because we're young adults and dating you know some of us have goals and you mentioned it earlier you know you wanted to have children one day i, I know you need somebody to do that so could you tell us <laughs> could you tell us about any any dating advice for young professionals ah for young professionals uh be intentional and be present and by that i mean be intentional know your expectations know your boundaries know uh what you want out of it uh to a certain degree uh knowing what you your, what i call your non-negotiables what you're gonna what you can deal with what you refuse to deal with uh, and be very clear on that, even if it's just petty to you. Hey, uh, whatever works for you, it keeps you, lets you sleep at night. Uh, and I say that for about being intentional, but I also say being present because uh, sometimes, especially as young people, uh, we don't always know how to date. So we settle into things for too long or we don't get to enjoy it. And you can actually date multiple people and not do anything that with too many strings attached. It's okay to get to literally know people by conversation, hanging out, uh, and those different things. So I think it's a balance of uh, being intentional and also being very present in, in the moment, too. 
So my next question, you know, that's some great dating advice, but uh, how has the dating scene been for you recently? (laughs) Great. Uh, I've relocated back here and uh, let's just say I am happy with somebody. You, You said you're happy with someone. What makes you happy with that person? What makes me happy with this one? Uh, in, in all seriousness, uh, I was like we shared before we started recording. I've been a very busy person. I've dated before, of course. I've been a very bu- busy person since from Austin and relocated back here to Houston. I've slowed down tremendously, which I'm grateful for, and I'm glad that in this season of my life, I've been able to evaluate myself and see, okay, what are some things that I could have actually improved in. And dating was one of those. And I think what makes me enjoy it is that I have someone that first understands the season of life that I'm in. Uh, and secondly, uh, we're not we're not the same, but we are complementary. So uh, I have somebody that that mirrors, that supports my strengths, and also mirror is a mirror sometimes to be like, oh, maybe we need to work on that in a very genuine and very uh, affirming way. So I think uh, just, so being able to, uh, Settle in on that. I'm grateful for that. I definitely can say in this season of my life, it's it's a space of being able to reflect, right? Like when you get out of out of a relationship, you're able to kind of see the forest from the trees. You know, you can see. And I know for me, when I was in the relationship, it was an opportunity for me to grow. You know, I was able to sharpen iron on iron. And I was able to communicate and I was able to have genuine conversations that helped me become a better person as well as a better woman. And now that I'm out, you know, you have another opportunity to be like, okay, well, where else can I grow in this? Where else can I be? How, how can I move forward? Where else do, do I see myself going? What didn't, you know, and you're able to just do all that cross exam, personal cross-examination. And I think you being able to do that beforehand and just kind of recognize I was really busy before. I, I probably wasn't able to give people the best of my time. And now I'm in a season of my life where I can slow down and really concentrate on a person is important because when you are moving and grooving as a young adult or a young professional, you just moving and grooving. Like, okay, well, they missed boat. Oops. And I think that's important, though. It's important. You should know mm-hmm. where you are. I think that's important. Yeah, yes. And all, all that you're saying is true. And uh, if I can give advice to young professionals, date someone by how they relate and not by their resumes. And I say that because sometimes we want to get with some people that are famous or have big names in the community, or we feel like they can uplift our business, and all those things are great. I think you should get somebody like, but at the end of the day, when it comes to a relationship, that person's not gonna be with you in the, in, the, in the boardroom all the time. You want someone that supports your mental health. You want someone that supports you, especially if you're a young professional. Uh, we compete with grind culture a lot of times. Somebody say, hey, you need to slow down. Hey, have you eaten? And I think uh, having somebody uh, that you can deal with in that kind of type of capacity, even if it's just dating. I, I think that's significant because everybody that looks good on paper and posts the stuff on social media, they, they ain't got no social skills in real life. They, look, can, can she, if you like food, can she cook? Huh? I wish I had a prayer church. Uh, can, 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 do, they, do they have fun? Can you unwind with them? Because you don't want to be talking about business or government or deep conversations all the time. So that, that's been a big relief and a blessing for me. 
I love that. I love that you said find somebody complimentary. I'm following the white rabbit this year and everybody for some reason has been saying certain words and I'm just like, man. I recently just had a friend tell me, I see, don't just look for compatible, look for complimentary. And I was like, that's good. I'm going to take that one with me. Don't look just for compatible, but look for complimentary. I feel like complimentary just adds that extra little piece of fit. Absolutely. It just adds an extra piece of fit to it. Like, yeah, we're compatible, but we, we complement each other. We complement each other. So I, I definitely would, I got to pin that piece of advice uh, that you just mentioned, because I think that is also important. Well, we are almost down to the last few of our questions. Um, my, my next question to you is what book do we need to read in this season? What book do we need to read in the season, in this year, for life, for liberty? What, what do we need to be reading? I'm going to shift to the mental health side of it. Black Pain by uh, Terry Williams. Uh, it talks about that we have uh, as African-Americans uh, and how we as a culture internalize our own struggles and trauma. Uh, I think that that's one, uh, and it talks about it in our black churches and, and for black men. So it's, it's pretty specific, but very uh, tailored with shared stories about uh, different traumas and how we overcome those things. And also I recommend, uh, I can't remember the author's name, but uh, The Body Keeps the Score. It's a book also related to mental health and how our bodies internalize trauma and store and store our trauma and things like that. So those are two books that I keep in my backpack and I read. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's the only time I want to recommend. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's yeah, that was good. Speaking of mental health, we've had two um, we've had two therapists come on here, and both of them actually mentioned how the body keeps the score. So I I highly suggest you go out and get that book. Because not only are regular people reading this book, but the therapists, our black therapists, are suggesting that we need to read this book as well. Look, and one, and really quick, in one of my group chats, I dropped that book and I said, "Look, this is what I'm reading, and this is how it's impacted me." In two days, everybody had Amazon Prime, so it's like a whole streak in our group chat of, of everyone having their book, some on their iPad, and things like that. Because uh, I think it's very, it's relative to everything because especially as a people we do not realize uh that some of the struggles that we brag about getting out the mud that that's trauma and we really carry it and sometimes we carry it too well we do carry it too well and then we have the magnificent way of masking it through all other types of forms at least we look good we don't look we don't look suicidal we don't look anxious we don't look it. We look good. We we look good. Some black folks gonna do. We gonna look good. We, we gonna look good. Uh, last question for you. Uh, Bible verse that helped you this week. Bible verse that helped you this month. Bible verse. I'll say for this week. If someone actually encouraged me with it. Uh, Galatians six and nine. Be not weary in well doing, for in due season uh, you shall reap if you faint not. And I think sometimes we, we want due season, but we, we're really more focused on you season. When can you do it for me? When can you show up? When is it going to be? But it's like in due time, because what's worse than no blessing is a premature one. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm in a season of actually taking all that in and, and being, not being weary and good, doing well, 
because the work we do gets tiring. The work we do, it gets exhausting. Uh, <laughs> you and I both know the pay will never meet the service. The more you solve issues for students, the more you discover there are a million more, uh, whether that's for food insecurity, uh, digital uh, divide, all of these things that are playing roles in our local communities. Uh, but we cannot get weary in doing it. Said, it didn't say we couldn't get tired. We just can't get weary and quit. And so Deucey is a big one for me. Uh, I live on uh, Psalms 121, and uh, this pandemic has always been Psalms 91. So those are three good recommendations. Well, I do appreciate it. I definitely can uh, testify that, you know, I, I, Pocahontas comes to my mind. It's, it's just around the river bend um, because if you just keep on going, and I, I don't mean do this in a struggle. So we also are, you know, advocates for mental health and making sure you're taking your breaks, but don't faint. So in order not to faint, you also need to be drinking your water, taking your electrolytes, reading your work. You got to care. Self care. You got to take care of it. And, and a big one I say is choose joy. Find out how you intentionally choose joy. Look at you with with the white rabbit again, because that's the word. Uh, that's one of the words for this year, choosing joy. We're going to break down, and this side note, guys, we're going to break down soon um, the fruits of the Spirit. So throughout the throughout the year this year, we'll be breaking down fruits of the Spirit. And I guess we're going to go ahead and use joy for this month because he's already dropped it. So we're going to use joy for this month because that is the theme for the rest of this year. Regardless of what we're going through, guys, we will choose joy. So without going on and on uh mr mcclinton could you please tell us one more time where we can find you yeah, you can find me on social media uh follow me on facebook and instagram uh especially for youth work uh at unlearning youth u-n-l-e-a-r-n-i-n-g-y-o-u-t-h uh but for my uh, personal page, which I share mental health content, as well as uh, <laughs> sometimes some funnies as well. So you can find me on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, Deontay McClendon. Uh, Instagram, Deontay.McClendon, D-I-O-N-T-E dot M-C-C-L-E-N-D-O-N. Awesome sauce. Guys, you've heard it here first from a rising rising educator, a rising athlete. Well, he's already, you know, we've already arrived. Amen. We've already arrived. So I just want to say, guys, go and support uh, Deontay McClendon at his social media handles. He will be listed on my social media handles as well as KAZI 88.7 because we are the number one station here in Austin, Texas, providing young people, young adults, the community with voices that that are our own. So without further ado, guys, thanks for tuning in to Grow Through, where we discuss the intersection of faith, family, and single life. In the meantime, in between time, be blessed, be inspired.